This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the first chapter. Glory to you, Lord. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me. For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, does magnify the Lord. My spirit sings of God, my Savior. For he has looked with love and favor on his lowly servant.
the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grace and peace be yours through the coming Lord Jesus. Amen. Mary's really young. That part we know. She's 16 at the most. Like a lot of girls her age, she is already betrothed to a man that she may not even know. That still happens in cultures around the world today, as you know. And it's, it's just one reason why the whole traditional marriage argument doesn't hold water, because the question is always, well, whose tradition are we talking about? Try as I might, I cannot, will not get my mind around the idea of my granddaughter being traded or bartered like livestock. At the very least, Mary is frightened at this moment. She knows virtually nothing about Joseph. She's about to leave her home, her siblings, her parents, everyone she's known to be his wife. And that's nothing compared to the other stuff that's going on in her life. Uh, An angel of the Lord had visited her, tells her that she is going to be pregnant, and it's not going to be Joseph's child, which, by the way, is a real deal breaker. It's going to be a son, the angel says, and the son's name is going to be Yeshua or Jesus. And God is going to take Yeshua and place him on the throne of King David. In other words, your child is the one that all creation is waiting for. Not that the angel indicated that she had any choice in the matter, but you might have thought that she would have taken a little time to consider it, the pros and the cons, to weigh it all over. But no, her public response to the angel is, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your will. And that's, that's history. That's what happens right before our reading today. Today, she's actually pregnant. Joseph is threatened to end the marriage and send her away. For all we know, her father has refused to take her back. And everywhere she goes, there is this look, there is this whisper, there is this finger pointing, if not walking to the other side of the street, muttering under people's breath. Shaming is a very real thing in every culture. And in the midst of all of that, Luke says that with haste, (laughs) I bet, Mary decides to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Let's make sure that you get that picture. We covered it at 8 and 9 last week, but if you were here at 11, you might not have it. Uh, Elizabeth is also pregnant, cousin Elizabeth. An angel has visited her as well. The difference is that Elizabeth is well along in years, and they haven't been able to have any children. And Elizabeth has been carrying a different kind of shame, the shame of infertility. It's often put on the woman, and frankly, why is it even a shame? In the ancient world, having children was economic security, and so Elizabeth and Zechariah are going it alone in their older age. Her husband is a priest outside the Jerusalem in a little Judean town, but he has not said a word since Elizabeth got pregnant. Of course, everyone else is talking about this, but he cannot because God has muted him. By contrast, there's Mary. She's young. She's inexperienced. She's pregnant. She's conflicted. she got to go somewhere. Got to go somewhere safe, somewhere where someone might understand at least something of what's going on in her life. It's probably not the first time that she had visited her cousin, Elizabeth, small-town girl from Galilee visiting in the big city, older, wiser, more compassionate, maybe even favorite cousin. Both, they are about to learn, have had their worlds turned upside down. 
Both have been visited by an angel. Both are pregnant. Both are going to have sons. Both have been promised that one day, one day, their son will change the world. It will probably surprise many of you not that I was a child who was the first one up on Christmas morning. <laughs> Oldest of five kids, I somehow thought it was my responsibility to get up at the crack of dawn, make sure everybody else was up and things were happening. And I remember at one point, there were only four children at that point, a family of six. We're living in a two-bedroom house on the east side of Columbus, all four kids in one room. And at the first crack of dawn, my duty, I arose and woke everyone else up. And I remember waking my little brother and my sisters up, and just as we were ready to throw open the door and run down to the hallway, we heard our father's voice say, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, wait right there, just one minute. Now, you might have thought that our response would be to moan or to groan or to cry or something like that, but this is what we did, the happy dance. Because <laughs> we knew, we just, we just knew that our father was turning on the Christmas lights, getting the camera ready, checking underneath the tree to make sure that Santa had actually brought us all gifts. And we are hopping around. We are high-fiving each other because we know, we, we know, even though it's not here yet, we know the promise of Christmas is real. No matter how large the family, Sister Three was on the way at that point. How lean the budget or how thin the soup, we knew that we could count on Christmas gifts. And in that bedroom, little brother, two of my sisters, before we had seen a single gift, the celebration had begun. Now, I could never have named it this, but we were celebrating a very theological premise, promised future. Present, but not yet. All her life, Mary had lived under the occupation of Rome. She was a captive she lived under the fanatical shadow of Herod the Great, a capricious power monger of the worst sort. Life was tough. Young woman whose only hope was to be bartered and betrothed, now pregnant, uncertain of what the future would hold in an occupied land. That could be the very definition of anxiety and despair. And when she visits her cousin Elizabeth, the child in Elizabeth's womb, who we will later come to know as John the Baptist, leaps in her womb at the presence of Mary's unborn son, Jesus. And Elizabeth tells Mary that all this bumping going on inside my stomach is my son, John, preparing the way for your son, Jesus. And Mary, for the first time since the angel's visitation, and maybe even for the first time in her life, Mary starts to do the happy dance. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God the Savior. For he has looked with favor upon the lowliness of this servant. And surely, surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is God's name. And then, and then we are led to believe by Luke at least. She doesn't stop. Right there on the spot, she raps out 
a whole song about the redemptive work that God has now begun in the world through this little child. A lifetime of longing and wanting and waiting which she has shared with all of her people. It all comes bellowing out in this song. She's singing about God's coming kingdom, about what's about to be. It's building to a musical crescendo. Mary, who it turns out, isn't that meek and mild. Mary sings, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones. He sent all the rich away, empty. I'm pretty sure you haven't seen that on a Christmas card. If you have, share it with me because I'd like to see it. Nobody ever has ever heard anybody on a Christmas special singing, he has scattered the proud. He's brought down the powerful. He sent the rich away empty. The only two people who actually understand how subversive this little life growing inside of Mary is going to be are a penniless peasant girl, Mary, and the most powerful man in the country, Herod. For one of them, the coming of the baby is the foundation of all hope, of a promised future, of a new beginning and a new life. And to the other, it is a total catastrophe that should be prevented at all costs, even up to genocide. Notice the pattern of Mary's song. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, and he has lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away empty. Scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts, but has helped his servant Israel. Everything is about to be reversed. Who's in, who's out, who's up, who's down, who the winners are, who the losers are. John Ortberg says that Mary's song is a statement that the world as we know it has pretty much gotten it all wrong. And that God's about to make it right. I don't watch a lot of television. And my wife says that unless it has a scoreboard on it, I don't don't watch it. Um, But much to my dismay, even those things have commercials that cannot be missed during the holiday season. And I've been thinking about this all week, what it must be like to watch some of those Christmas commercials while you're living at the poverty level. To watch those commercials as a parent who's trying to decide between your own dental care or a winter coat for your child. Or as a child who happens to be alone because mom's working three jobs and is hungry because there's still not enough to eat. Most of the commercials, and yes, it's a seductive, pervasive vision that we almost cannot see from our vantage. Most of those commercials sing something like this. Blessed are the beautiful. Blessed are the rich. Blessed are the successful. Blessed are the white. Blessed are the secure. Blessed is Herod. And then comes Mary singing a song. A song. A song that depending on where you see yourself socially and economically and politically is either a song that you just can't stand to hear Or it's a song that you can't stop singing. It's filled with that much hope. I guarantee you that no one standing at the jewelry counter at Tiffany's has ever heard anyone singing, He Sent the Rich Away Empty-Handed. Have you ever wondered how we know this story? 
how it got recorded. The only people that were there were Mary and Elizabeth. Who told it to who? And why did they tell it? And, and who listened to that? And who remembered it? The song of an unimportant pregnant girl celebrating something not yet here. 30 years from now, a young rabbi will sing a strange song. We call Mary's song, as I said at the beginning of worship, the Magnificat. It's based on the title, the first line in Latin, my soul doth magnify the Lord, the Magnificat. The young rabbi song will also be known by its Latin title, based on the first word in his song. That song will be called the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the meek, blessed are the hungry, persecuted, is like a song that his mom used to sing to him when he was a boy. It's like a little ditty that she used to hum when she walked around the house. It was a value that she passed on to her son, that it bothers God when people are selfish or violent, that it angers God when rich people let people go hungry. When the powerful bully those who are weak for no other reason than they can. For Herod and for all the Caesars of the world, for those on the top, the Magnificat, the advent of our Lord is an ominous foreshadowing that must be stopped, must be co-opted. God's judgment that your rule and your reign is ending and every stone is going to get turned over. But for those who are in, as some of us are, the valley of despair. It is the promise of God lifting us up. For those who are stumbling in the darkness, it's a ray of light. For those carrying heavy burdens, it's notice that God's about to turn everything upside down. Mary's singing because she believes that a whole new day is dawning, present but yet to come. A promised future is arriving, and Mary knows that it's all going to begin with this child in her womb. I was never taught to pray the Lord's Prayer like this. For us, we always bowed our heads and were silent. But I think how fun it would be to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No matter what pain you are experiencing, no matter what challenges you're facing, no matter what burdens you are carrying, this is the advent of the Lord God. Listen, God is coming into this world incarnate, gathering all people in love and in peace. Let the happy dancing begin. Amen.